This is Jim Harmer, and you're listening to the Improve Photography Podcast. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace, the company that makes my photography portfolio. With beautiful templates created by world-class designers, your project on Squarespace will look perfect right from the very, very beginning in just a few clicks. Whether you want to create a photography portfolio, a business page, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace is a great place to make your passion project a reality. And you have 24-7 customer support behind you if you need any help. Think it, dream it, make it with Squarespace. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code IMPROVE to get 10% off your, per- your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode of Improved Photography is brought to you by Zenfolio. Whether you're a full-time pro or you're just shooting on the side, Zenfolio is a great way to make your photography portfolio and full website for your photography. In fact, it's been voted the number one choice by, f- by professional photographers. Plus, Zenfolio has marketing tools, They'll help you maintain your business to focus on the part of the job you love, taking pictures. You get preset emails, coupons, bundled products, and all kinds of more with the marketing suite. And they have an intuitive setup plus 24-hour support. And right now, you can get 30% off your annual plan with offer code IMPROVE30 at Zenfolio.com. Build it beautifully with Zenfolio. Websites, proofing, and selling. Hey everybody and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host Jim Harmer and today we're going to be talking about styling in photography and how you can develop your own style in the first half and in the second half of today's episode we're going to be talking a little bit about printing and some cool new things that I learned this week about printing while I was in southern Utah. And to talk about today's topics we have brought back by popular demand (laughs) Emily Harmer! (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we need some kind of applause for you. (laughs) Emily, this podcast was kind of a conversation that we had um, in talking about kind of developing a style in photography. And you were telling me about how you had read a book um, about design and how, um, how you can kind of classify designers into certain categories or buckets according to kind of their style. Yeah, and I think photography is very much that way. You know, people, you it, once you just go look at different people, you research them on the internet, then you'll find everybody kind of like, you can tell, oh, that was a photo taken by Jim, or oh, that was a photo taken by Cohort, or whatever it was, but they just kind of develop their own unique style and things that they like. Okay, so before we get in, into the details of like, Um, how to develop your style and kind of some good examples of what exactly that would look like. I guess the question that I always have is, is that something that I even want? Do I even want all my photos to look like a Jim Harmer photo? Like, is that even good? Like, part of me says, oh, that's good. You know, you're developing your brand in this style. And part of me says, you're stuck in a rut. Uh, you're stuck in a rut of one way of seeing art and you're not expanding and improving over time. 
Well, I don't think it's necessarily about just picking one thing and doing that for the rest of your life. But if you can pick one thing, you could go 10 miles deep in it and be the best that there is out there in just that one area. But then you can add other other aspects of your photography into your photos that that also you're in, but also you're including the one technique that you just love. So so you think it's a good thing to yeah. have a one specific defined style? Cuz I mean most people I think would agree with you, but I don't know, I've always kind of wondered like is that really what I want? I don't know. I guess I guess maybe it's a personal opinion, but to me when I look at the professional photographers and the people who are really at the top of the list, they pretty much just do one thing. Oh, yeah. They're the best at what they do. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, let's dive into that. Let's talk about some of those. So we've been sitting here for quite a while looking at different well-known photographers and really seeing if we can kind of, I don't know, classify, just kind of putting their work into different buckets and and uh, kind of trying to define what their style is. Um, so the first one we looked at is Art Wolf. Art Wolf is an awesome photographer. Uh, he's, you know, if you watch PBS, he had the PBS show. What was that called? Um, oh, I can't remember, shoot. but it was. I can't remember what it was. It was an awesome show. That was really good. They still have refun- reruns on there. Uh, but I think it was just called Art Wolf. I mean, why no, wouldn't you name a show was... like that? Because he has an incredible name. Art Wolf. PBS. Come on, Google, help us. Travels to the Edge with Art Wolf. Oh. So it's close. So right. yeah, <laughs> he really likes his name. <laughs> uh, he's awesome. We've had him on the Tripod Podcast. Really good, good guy. Um, so when we looked at Art Wolf's work, he's a landscape photographer. Um, you know, we looked at a lot of different photos, and the thing that really stuck out, you defined it, I think, well when we were looking at it, is. It's just massive. You know, he never sees the one wildebeest in the, you know, running along the savanna. He photographs a group of five of them and how they interact. He doesn't photograph this one lone tree on a hill and this really minimalist composition. He photographs, you know, a bunch of chunks of bark all in a in a clump on the ground. You know, it's all, it's... Uh, it's groups and patterns and massive uh, things and rarely that minimalist kind of composition. Yeah, and another part that I like about his photography is he travels the world to different cultures and he, in that show that we would watch, he would uh, follow the people in their culture and he would have a personal guide because he wanted to be up close and personal with the people and not not be too touristy he wanted to get the authentic feel and all of his photos you know some i mean not all of them but a lot of them take pictures of people and he wants to capture like their entire culture so in order to do, to do that i think he feels like he wants you to see everything that he's seeing and so he gets more per, more people in the photo than just one yeah, I I definitely noticed that as well. It's it's multiple people in a photo. It's full body images, uh, and the the backgrounds include a lot of 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 uh, environment around them. Yeah, information to the photo or give you more to the story. He he does. He wants you to see the background, the whole picture. 
Um, another thing that I noticed interesting about his landscape photos is they rarely, almost never, include the light source in the photo. So when it's a sunrise photo, it, you know, you don't see the sunrise. It's before that. Uh, it's just kind of the way the light falls on a landscape and rarely including the light source. And that's unique because that's not at all the style today. I mean, the style in landscape photography today is always show the light source. Yeah. Um, and I, I wonder uh, if that's because, you know, he's been around photography for a long, long time. And that wasn't, it wasn't super possible with film. Uh, it just, it was much harder to do to really capture that full dynamic range of a rising sun and things. And now that's becoming easier and easier with software tools and just the camera dynamic range is going way up. Uh, it's a lot better than what we could have could do with film. And so I wonder if that part of his style is because that he learned how to see when that was a not impossible thing to do, but pretty impossible thing to do. So think how fun that would be to go try something new in your photography and try to implement Art Wolf's style of capturing just patterns and multiple things in one composition as the subject instead of just one thing as the subject and then adding your lighting to it. Mm -hmm. Like you would you would really step it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be kind of fun to just try it out. Yeah, and just looking at other photographers' work and like really thinking deeply about it, I think helps me a lot because I do, you know, I see the light sources and I shoot toward the light sources. And so, you know, if you just casually browse through the, his portfolio, you don't get that. But if you really think deeply about, you know, what makes these photos stand out, uh, it, it helps you to learn new things like that. And then the next time you're out in the field, you just think, hey, you know what? I'm just going to photograph the, how the light hits the landscape instead of the light itself. Okay, so Jim, we came up with, uh, let's see, four different styles. Composition, like, color, true to life, and subject, mm -hmm, right? Yep. See, these are like our categories to define somebody's style by, yeah. And so what do you think Art Wolf would fit into uh i what would i would say his compositions are more complex uh you know it has lots of things in it uh color i think is is pretty natural there's not a whole lot of push toward the colors and stuff things look very normal truth to life i think is very high in in his style of photography it's very raw this is just what it looked like um and his subjects um, you know, he, he's shooting wide, including a lot of the subject and a lot of the environment. Uh, so those are the things that stand out to me in those categories for him. So maybe just to try to kind of explain more of what, what we were trying to do here is we just, Jim was just thinking, can you really put styles into their own buckets? It seems like there's a million different things about photography that just changes every photo. And so we thought, well, this is... These four things are just aspects of style, and I think you could fit pretty much any photographer in any photo. You could talk about the composition color, whether it's true to life or not, or how true to life it is, and then what kind of subject they put in, and then with all those things together, that makes their style. Yeah, I think so, and if you... Anyway, well, we'll talk about this later, kind of how we uh, kind of classified the way that I shoot. And it, it, uh, it was kind of cool to, to think, think about it that way. Uh, 
All right, next is Steve McCurry. Steve McCurry uh, is, you know, famous for kind of documentary style photography. Um, his his is the photo of the Afghan girl, you know, with the green take eyes. the hijab off, yeah, and you know, you just see that that face. I'm I'm sure everybody can, you know, you close your eyes and you can remember that photo. Um, and we realized something kind of cool as we looked through his portfolio. Uh, we looked through his portfolio and it was just portrait after portrait after portrait that's pretty close up, like the lens is physically close to the person, fairly wide-ish, you know, not crazy wide, but a little bit more wide of a lens. Um, the camera was always just a slightly elevated from the eye line, um, and the person's eyes were always just swoop straight into the lens like or, or up oh yeah and yeah. straight in and up yeah and so it's just like i mean what we saw like 40 photos in his portfolio that were like exactly that setup and uh so i did a little research i thought well when did he photograph the photo of the afghan girl and it was very early on in his career it was like his first super successful photo um and so you can see how that one picture that he became known for, just that one shot that worked out, um, really became his style. And it made me think as we looked through these other photographers and myself, uh, really anybody, that that's probably true of a lot of us. That, you know, as you're learning, when, you, when things just fall in line and you just <laughs> nailed one photo... You're like, hey, it worked. Exactly. Let's move forward with this. Yeah, and it seems crazy that that would still be impacting your style, you know, five, ten years later, but I think it does. Yeah. Well, certainly, who wouldn't want to, who would want to drop a good thing? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think your style is developed when you're in that advanced intermediate stage. You know, when you're a beginner, you're just doing whatever, uh, you know, whatever seems like a good idea at the moment the intermediate stage you've had some successes and so you're trying to repeat them as much as possible and and then once you get into being a professional or a uh, you know and not necessarily that you're professional in terms of a full-time photographer but just the pro quality work uh you're really just building on those successes over and over and so i i think it just becomes your style so in designing I like to decorate at home I'm not a professional by any means but you're awesome I do enjoy it though and I have gotten compliments on some little arrangements that I have put up in our house and it does boost my confidence you know and it makes me feel like oh well I did a good job there and photographers are that way a ton they just Everybody just wants to get their photos seen. So maybe to decide what your style is, you could just go back to one that you've gotten a lot of compliments on. Mm -hmm. Or you could, I'm putting in a plug for your Improve Photography Plus, you could put your photo up there and see how many comments or critiques you get on it and, you know, just roll with the successes and then maybe try to develop that into being your style. Yeah, that would be cool. I'd, I'd like to see if people will post kind of their first few really successful photos. Um, and I'll, I'll bet you anything, if you look through them, they have something to do with your style today. Yep. All right. The next person that we looked at is Jeremy Cowart. Um, he's an awesome guy, does some great work. Uh, hopefully most of you have seen his stuff. If not, you got to go check out his website. Um, but 
you know, we looked through a lot of his photos and we just couldn't quite put our finger on what it was that made his style, but they did all flow together. And the word that you chose was sad. Um, <laughs> and not in a bad way, but, uh, but sad. And actually that, that, uh, kind of define the style more than anything else to me. I mean, they're very gritty, very urban, very dark, moody kind of lighting. And um, it was usually one person, wasn't it? Yeah, Is this usually, the right person I'm thinking of? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, and, and the photos just felt very, uh, you know, it's a lot of people in poor countries. Uh, it, it's just kind of like very few of the photos are just like super happy guy on, you know, nice light colored backgrounds and stuff it's kind of in fact, dark and gritty <laughs> the one the one super happy guy that we did see on a white background in a plaid shirt was way out of place <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah it, it's interesting and things are he really likes to in terms of those four uh categories that we talked about uh composite you know compositions are really simple it's just usually like a face um, color are very subdued color. The truth to life is very low in his in his uh, portfolio. Um, not that it doesn't represent life truthfully, but you know he's doing things. He's just smearing crud on the lens to just give it a weird, interesting look. Uh, he's uh, you know he's intentionally blurring things out in the photo. It's just very grungy kind of. Uh, kind of a look it's not how it would just naturally look if you just clicked a cell phone shot uh so anyway it it was an interesting style Uh, i love his work it's really good it's completely different than than what i would normally shoot yeah and is this the one we went through all of these and i'm not totally familiar with all of the photographers but i think he said that his uh his mission, oh yeah, is to explore the intersection and creativity of creativity and empathy. Oh, so he just wanted to experience life, you know. He just uh-huh. wanted to pro- portray that true life, and a lot of life is kind of sad. So he did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> yes, our life is so sad, honey. Well, no, there's just a lot of sad things in the world, right? Yeah. Um, all right. Annie Leibovitz was interesting to look at. Uh, the thing that really stood out for me in in her portfolio is how subdued the colors were. Uh, she's always using like it kind of looks like a, if it were a painter, it would be watercolor. Uh, things are, are very uh, just kind of watered down colors, but not light, uh, light in tone. They're really dark but subdued tones. They're not not very vibrant, not very saturated colors. It kind of looks like she always wants to go take pictures on a cloudy day. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. A cloudy day actually describes the lighting very well, especially how it falls across the face. Um, you know, there's definite mood and shadow to it, um, but but it's, uh, it's, it's not as high contrast as if you just put a softbox right next to her or something like that. The other interesting thing uh, is her compositions. Like a, a significant portion of the photos 
are on a plain background. You know, it's a, uh, you know, an actual photography backdrop, or it's just like a wall or just something really simple in the background. It's rare that, uh, that she's shooting a person in the environment. Uh, all right. Next is Peter Lick. Um, how would, how would you describe Peter Lick's photos? Well, if you ever go into Peter Lick, a, a gallery of Peter Lick's, he, I think he got famous because he uh, invested in enormous prints to sell. Mm-hmm. And anything giant looks really good if it's sharp. And no matter what the subject really is. Because <laughs> sometimes I look at his photos and... And, well, I am a little partial to my husband, but <laughs> I do think that Jim takes better photos sometimes. Not all not all of them are better than Peter Licks, but some of those photos, they're selling for thousands and thousands of dollars, and Jim's photo of the same thing or of a similar thing is much better. But Peter Lick just portrays his photos in such a... A stunning way that is very attractive and people really like it yeah well thank you uh but I, I mean he's an incredible photographer he really is i mean very talented you can't look through his gallery and not be amazed i mean they're just beautiful but you're right the presentation is a big part of it i mean his presentation is absolutely spectacular when you look at a four foot by eight foot print with perfect lighting and you know in this acrylic high gloss it's just you can't not like it it's it's incredible what he's doing he's in, very good at presentation um, and the uh, the thing that sticks out to me about his uh, style is it's really simple like it kind of looks like in each photo like you're just staring out a window at that scene Um, There are a few photos he has where the lighting is just really incredible and amazing. Um, But a lot of them just are like, it just feels like a moment in time that you've just frozen looking out a window. It's just very clean and simple. The post-processing never gets in the way at all. Um, It it just just feels like you're standing there. Yeah, he just wants you to enjoy his landscape. He wants you to be where he was. Yes, super clean. Like, I I don't know of any photographer that has more of a a, just a clean, true to life look to the photos. Um, And then we also looked at Felix Hernandez, who we also had on the podcast recently. Uh, Felix is the guy that does the, the model photography, just like these tiny models, scale models, um, and puts them in other other scenes and things. Um, and the the word that 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 best described his portfolio for me is just otherworldly. It's just things that like it. I mean, it has a look of reality, but they just have a fanciful kind of look to them. And uh, and that really stood out to me. But then we scrolled further down the portfolio and we saw some of the commercial work he's done. In fact, some of these photos we saw when we were in Cancun earlier this year, we had seen like billboards of his photos. And then uh, when I met Felix, I said, Hey, I remember some of these photos. Um, And they're a completely different look. It's not this look of these scale models that are these epic otherworldly kind of things. It's just like crystal clear, uh, simple, clean, commercial advertising kind of photo. 
And then you scroll down further and he has these very vogue portraits of women and things like that. Uh, it's like you keep scrolling down and he has six or seven completely different styles that looks like it can't be from the same photographer, but they are. This guy just looks like he's having a great time. He's just trying everything out that possibly crosses his mind. <laughs> well, and the thing is, he's really good at all of them. And like, that's okay. Cool. And a lot of people can really pull that off. I think finding your style helps you if you're maybe not so great of a photographer. But if you really do have a natural skill, you probably do love a lot of different styles. And that's okay. Yeah, I a lot of photographers try this and it just, you know, like you said before, just none of them quite are good enough. You know, they just never quite reach the top of any of the of any of the styles. But man, I look at Felix Hernandez's portfolio and man, it's just one awesome style after another and he's nailing them. Uh, it's really cool. Yeah, I and I don't know if that's learnable. I kind of I kind of feel like some some aspects of photography are just God-given talent. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Well, in the second half of this uh, podcast, we want to talk a little bit about uh, printing metal prints. There are some really cool things that I learned this week that I did not realize at all, uh, but we'll do that right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Canon. Canon's offering a really unique opportunity to work directly with the Canon Explorers of Light. These are some of the top portrait photographers in the industry, and you can work directly with them in a city near you. They'll work with you to refine your lighting skills, your technical skills, building relationships, and posing your subjects, etc. Each instructor will demonstrate the gear they use and they love, uh, and also how to get the same results on the gear that you already own. They'll also show you little-known tricks you can do with your camera, optimizing light, and choosing lenses that best convey your message. In addition to a day of learning with the Canon Explorers of Light, you also get exclusive discounts on Canon portrait gear, PDF guides, a chance to touch and try the latest Canon cameras, lenses, and speed lights, as well as all your tech questions answered by an on-site Canon expert. Register now and learn more at canon.us slash learnportraits. That's canon.us slash learnportraits. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. If you're ready to launch a new business, you're ready to take your photography to the next level, you want to create a photography portfolio or sell your work on your website, Squarespace can make your passion project a reality. They have beautiful templates, so you really could just log on there. It's inexpensive to get started. Uh, you can get your own custom domain name. So if you want to be jimharmerphotography.com or whatever you want it to be, uh, you can get your custom domain name so you look professional. And then you just pick a template. You pick whatever template you think is going to work the best for your work. They have some that are specifically work well for photography and showcasing your work. And then it really in just a few clicks, even if you're not uh, very technically minded, you can get your website up. They have analytics so you can see how many people are coming to your website, uh, all kinds of extensions, over 200 of them. Um, and with award-winning 24-7 customer support, you'll never be up a creek and not sure how to get out of it. 
Make your passion project a reality with Squarespace. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code IMPROVE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com, offer code IMPROVE. So this week I went down to Southern Utah and I shot with some of the writers on the website as well as uh, a few Improved Photography Plus members. We had a super fun time. It was awesome. As I mentioned before, I just shot time lapses and drone and uh, moving motion kind of photography as I'm working on an Improved Photography Plus tutorial. And it was just crazy fun. Um, But while we were there... Nathan set up uh, uh, for us to go visit a printer down in St. George, you know, a commercial print shop. And it was so cool. Yeah. Uh, It was awesome. So we went in there. It's called Pure Art Printers in St. George. Um, And he he does really high-end printing uh, for some of the galleries around there, you know, prints that are going to sell for 20 grand and more. Uh, They're awesome. Are they enormous? I mean, he has them of all different sizes, uh, but uh, how did how does somebody sell them for twenty grand? They're well, they're enormous and they're awesome, and it's in you know Springville, right by by right by Zion National Park, so it's you know kind of feeding off tourists and stuff. Oh, and a tourist would come in and be like, "Hey, I don't know you. That's a cool photo." Here's 20 G. (laughs) Just here you go. Maybe we better do that, honey. But it was kind of like we we looked at at, uh, galleries in Park City. Yeah. Earlier this year. And it was just like that. Tons of galleries and some crazy expensive prints. Wow. Uh, but they were awesome. Anyway, um, so I walked in and I looked at the first print and I thought, oh, man, this is awesome. They're beautiful acrylic prints. And then I walked up to it and I went and it was so thin. I mean, it was super thin. And I said, that's not an acrylic print. An acrylic print, you know, is where you have that plexiglass, quarter inch plexiglass right. on top of it. And that's what we always see in the Peter Look galleries yep. and stuff. These really high, they're all all acrylic. Um, and it was just crazy thin. And so I looked at it and I thought, what is this? Uh, and I had to ask him, I felt like a, like a kind of a dork because I was like, seriously, <laughs> I don't know what kind of print it is, but I, I couldn't tell what it was. So and it was just too thin. Yeah, it was too thin for acrylic. There's okay. no way it was acrylic. Yeah, because those acrylics, they get to be about a quarter of an inch thick. Yeah, if you look at it from the bottom, you can see what's the, the plexiglass and then the print behind it, etc. Anyway. Uh-huh. Um, so I said, what is this? And he said, it's a metal print. And I, I thought, what? It just, because when you look at a metal print, you know immediately it's a metal print. Yeah. I mean, they're beautiful, but like when you look at the really, especially the light areas where it's, uh, you know, white or light yellow near a sun or something, you can see like it's kind of speckled of color. I, I don't know how to describe it. Uh-huh. Um, just kind of like it just feels like you've dripped ink on metal, which is what it is, you know, but it just. A lot of the texture shines through, I think. And yeah. maybe that's what makes the different colors. Yeah, especially in the in the brighter areas. I, I don't know how else to explain it, but you, you probably everybody listening to this knows what I mean. Just in those lighter areas of a metal print. Anyway, um, and so I was interested because it looked like, because I mean, acrylic prints are the ultimate. Yeah. Uh, it's the, it's, you can't beat it. It's the best print. Um, and when you go into the high, high-end galleries, they always have the acrylic prints, but they're crazy, crazy expensive. Um, and 
uh, yeah. Anyway, so. I remember I tried to print, and so I asked Dustin if he could help me print a photo of Jim's because I, Jim and I had talked about it lots of times before, and we we knew or we just thought it would be so cool if we could get a really really nice print of Jim one of Jim's photos before. Um, so I thought, well, maybe Father's Day is coming up. So I wanted to get him, surprise him with one of the, one of the pictures. And so I asked Dustin if he could size it for me and send it to the printer and stuff like that so that we could print it out. And it was super fun to get it, except we have never found a home for that picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of an awkward, long waterfall picture is beautiful one Jim took in Oregon but we were just so excited to even get our first actual amazing print because that's the kind of print that Jim wanted was the acrylic one and it was just fun mm-hmm. yeah they're they're really beautiful but you gotta they gotta bring them big and big acrylic print is super expensive yeah so Jim's never really like been super excited with the photo that we've had just because it's not big and it doesn't really show how epic that moment was that he and you gotta have the lighting on it and everything and the lighting yeah anyway these these were like really just as good as acrylic um i I don't know what he's doing different uh, from other metal prints that i've seen but it, it man it was just as good as acrylic it was so good it just you know it had that just felt like it was just soaking in color just that high gloss a reflective look and when you get the lighting right on it it was it was neat and in the entry there uh he you know he had several prints kind of in the entry of his shop you know there was a lot of window light and stuff and not you know spotlight from artificial lighting above and they looked really good so it was kind of cool i I really want to want to order one and see see uh, see them for myself. They're awesome. So tell us again. It was like a website that they can go to. Or? Yeah, you can order them. I, I think he does. He mostly does in St. George, but you can you know you can order from the website. It's Pure Art Printers. Um. Anyway, so so I you know we were like, hey, let's. We'll see your operation here. So we went. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to weasel in the back room. Yeah, I wanted to see how it was all done. And so we we got into the back room and he showed us all how the prints are made. And it was super cool. Uh, he has this ginormous printer. It's an Epson SureColor F7200. I think they're like over 20 grand. Oh, wow. Um, it's huge. It's like eight feet long. Um, actually, when I die... You should bury me in one of those. What? It would be the coolest <laughs> casket. Like you're you're buried in an Epson F seventy two hundred. That's incredible. That sounds just like you. <laughs> yes. I okay. Seriously though, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's legal, but just wait. Yeah. If it costs twenty thousand, you better leave me twenty thousand <laughs> so that I can afford your funeral. <laughs> We'll get some life insurance. Uh, anyway, uh, bury me in an Epson at Shurikalo F7200. I know. I could just draw with a Sharpie on a, a wooden casket and make it look like one. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. I'll be dead anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's just enormous, this giant printer. Um, 
and it prints it doesn't print directly on the metal it prints on just like a you know it looks like a transparency just like a thin wax paper looking kind of thing you print the photo out on that and then he gets giant sheets of metal not not regular metal i mean it's metal meant for printing and uh, cuts cuts it out with a cnc machine and then he has this enormous it's like 15 feet by 15 feet like this sucker's just giant uh this press and it, you know it, it will the arm comes out he sets the the sheet of of the printed page on top of the metal and then it just superheats it to like 400 degrees and smashes it on the metal and then it's done wait so he puts it in some sort of oven yeah it's like this it like this it's it they just can't see your hands. It. <laughs> <laughs> it it comes out. It heats it up and smashes it on there. It was neat. Wow, it was super cool. Um, yeah. Well, we don't have enough space right now in our garage, so I don't think we'll be getting one of those. <laughs> <laughs> also, a $20,000 printer plus that smashing machine and the CNC machine. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a $100,000 plus setup that he had there. It was, it was really impressive. I liked it. But one thing that this girl says in this book, this styled book, it's for, about interior design. She says, hey, man. If you want to become a stylist and really recognize your style, you're going to have to go rogue and do something big, show people how cool you are and that you're worthy of the praise. It doesn't even really matter if you have any experience in Just the world today. Just imagine how cool I'd be with that printer. Yeah. <laughs> and Christmas is coming up. You just have to be willing to, to take the plunge and do something weird. <laughs> well, you know, that's what this guy had done. He he didn't, I mean, he had a background in, in art and stuff, but didn't do anything with printing. And he just decided, no, I'm going for this. Yeah. And he just went out and bought all the materials and taught himself how to do it. It was really cool. I know. We've had so many ideas of like, ooh, I want to open this crazy restaurant. Uh-huh. And it would be so fun, but the money is always the hold up, you know? Yep. If you're going to do something cool, you got to go. You got to just go all in. Well, anyway, it was cool to see how the metal prints are made. And it really has me uh, thinking twice. Uh, on the, I think the next major uh, photo order I make is going to be a metal print from Pure Art Printers. They were really cool and you know he said and he said when we met him that you know they were just as good as acrylic if you put it up from a distance uh you know the acrylic versus the metal you can't tell and i wasn't until i saw it myself yeah it really is just as good and yeah it was it was really cool and they last forever i mean they uh ah he was telling me about it it's like will willington shoot i'm gonna have to email him and find out there's a company that like that tests all the inks from the different printers and stuff and we'll give it like a you know a, a score of how many years it's going to last and this this uh print printer the printer die that he uses is the second highest second longest that it will last uh, there was only one better than that anyways so it's going to last for generations too that's pretty cool so for the newbies maybe if any of the new people are listening um how big would you say big to print because <sighs> i thought that photo that i got you for father's day was actually big but it wasn't no i mean i mean it was it's awesome but yeah i mean you it's tough to print too big if you got a space for it in your house like 
it seems like the bigger you print, just it just looks more impressive. The photo looks better. Really? You don't think you can go too big? No, I don't. I, I mean, if you got a wall for it, I, I think you should just go as big as you possibly can because like those Peter Lick prints, they're like eight feet long That's and true. they just look awesome. And like you said, they, you know, a lot of it is just that it's really, really huge. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at a thumbnail of a photo on a website and it doesn't matter how awesome that photo is. It looks lame. When you see that photo full screen, it really changes it. Yeah. All right. One thing I wanted to mention as my doodad of the week is the Suray K40X. Um, this is a ball head that I got for um, for time-lapse photography. I need to have an extra because uh, you need two tripods to hold up either side and then you need a ball head to put your camera onto the thing. Uh, so I got a new ball head. It's the Suray K40X. Uh, we've talked quite a bit about the Suray ball heads. Uh, they're much less expensive than the really right stuff. Um, but, but really good quality. Uh, so if you're, you know, you don't want to spend 450 bucks on a really right stuff ad, definitely look at the Surays. I was very happy with this one, but I would not recommend the K40 unless you need something just, unless you're dealing with some kind of incredible weight, like I am with the, the time-lapse, you know, it's, it's way overkill. The ball head is giant. Uh, so get one of the, you know, get the K30, K20, etc., and you're, you're going to have a better ball head, but they're, they're really well-made and definitely something that I, I can recommend. They're well-made, less expensive. I will also note, uh, two of the guys on the trip had the Acrotech ball heads, uh, before we were starting to recommend those, cause they had some cool features that made me jealous coming from the really right stuff. But I've heard five or six times now from people that have the Acrotech heads of just things sticking or just uh, things not quite working well long term. And so I'm going to withdraw that recommendation, change it on the website and just go back to the, the tried and true really right stuff heads. Uh, so if you're, if you're looking for, uh, for a head that's going to last you 10 years, uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with my recommendation of the really right stuff, but if you don't, don't want to spend that much, then the Suray is a, a great choice. Well, thanks everybody for joining us on this episode of the Improved Photography Podcast. We really appreciate your support and uh, and everything you do. It's it's just really enjoyable seeing all your work in the community and uh, and seeing the stuff you're making in photography. We really like it when you share stuff with us because it makes us happy to see that other people are succeeding. That's really what just keeps us going. So thanks everybody. Bye.